Let's just imagine a daily task that you do every day and think about if you could save two minutes a day or a class period doing that task. Now multiply that by however many class periods you have in a day and then how many days of school you teach a week and then how many class periods or days you teach school for the whole entire year. When you start saving a little bit of time every day, even if it's like one to two minutes on a particular task, and now think about if you are saving time on multiple tasks, think about the impact of how much time you would be saving in a given school year. That is what we are talking about today. We are talking about things that you need to automate as a multiple prep teacher. Welcome to the Secondary Teacher Podcast, the podcast for middle and high school teachers juggling multiple preps to get the strategies to reduce overwhelm so that you don't have to choose between being an effective teacher and prioritizing important relationships. I'm your host, Kristen Masick, a 10-year high school engineering teacher, former middle school assistant principal, and teacher coach. Every week, we will discuss strategies, systems, and time-saving tips to help you not only survive, but thrive as a multiple prep teacher. When we're thinking about automating, we are really going to look at things that can be simplified or streamlined. And some of the examples that I'm going to be giving you today are going to be about technology and then others are having students automate or do things so that you don't have to. So let's jump in to the list. In the intro, we talked about saving a certain amount of time every single day. And as I was getting ready for new teacher induction this year, I went back to the book Teach Like a Champion because it goes over several different things you can do as far as protocols and activities. But I was really trying to zoom in on routines and procedures. And one of the routines and the procedures that they demonstrate there is done by a teacher, Doug McCreary. And the example that they give when they show the video is of him distributing and collecting papers. He explains to them how he wants them to distribute papers. And I believe that he is giving a stack per row and then he wants them to quietly and quickly pass the stack down to all the other students. And what he does is he does it once as he's explaining what needs to happen and then he collects it, and then he starts to time it. And he spends quite a bit of time training and teaching students this. And he makes it kind of fun as a game because they're trying to see how fast and how how quickly they can achieve this task. But the idea is, is that he's putting in this upfront time so that he can save time in the end. That's the whole crux of this episode. The first one, that you need to automate is going to be assignment collection and distribution. And that can be that thing students are turning things in and however you are going to be distributing those new materials. And it could be somewhat similar to what Doug McCurry does is what are you going to do in class when you're giving something new? Or you could have a place in your room where students are to collect their materials at the beginning of the day and then also drop things off on their way out of your classroom. Number two is going to be communication with parents. Now this will most likely be in the form of an email. 
Now, in the elementary or primary world, the idea of a newsletter is pretty rampant. That is something that teachers do all of the time. I haven't seen it catch on so much in secondary. Some people do it, some people don't. It's not really required. Now, students are taking seven or eight, nine, ten classes instead of just the one and the one teacher. You can decide how you want this to look. It could be that you are automated or automating a weekly communication with you with your parents, or it could also be how you are going to respond to emails. You could set up an autoresponder that allows parents to know when you will be able to get back to their emails. And some of it also is what kind of emails are you going to set up and send out? And a lot of this is by using email templates, creating a form email that will either be helping you communicate celebrations or maybe some issues that are happening in the class. And really what you do is kind of Mad Lib style and add in the information. And it saves you a lot of time because you create it at the beginning and then you just use it throughout the year to communicate that information to parents. Which leads us to our next one, which is going to be communication with students. Brittany at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul had a great example of student late work. She had a form that students would fill out, and this is a digital form, like a Google form, that students would fill out when they were submitting a late assignment. And it alerted her that there wasn't a late assignment waiting. And it also gave some information in that about what the process was on when she would get to that information. And with a Google form, it also allows you to attach the assignment. So they could do it that way. Now, if you aren't needing that, you still could have students fill out that form and then make it so that it's just alerting you or letting you know that they turned in an assignment late so that you can go into whatever LMS or whatever you're doing so that you are just aware of it. You also could make it so that when they send or fill out that form, you know when things came in and kind of what your deadline is for getting those things returned back to students. Now, another option is from Jen at the Strategic Classroom, and she has an autoresponder. When her students send her emails, it autoresponds with the FAQs answered, because more likely than not, she was finding that her secondary students were having the exact same questions, and they didn't really need an email specifically back to them responding to their question. But what they needed is that list of frequently asked questions and with those answers. Once again, you could do the same thing. You could have an autoresponder. You could figure out within your email how to make it so that anytime a student email comes through your inbox, then you are going to send this autoresponder. And maybe that autoresponder has a way for students to get in contact with you or some other something. But to get that information across, normally it's going you're going to be talking about your late work or any of your policies or maybe when something is due. Just a bunch of things like that. I thought that was a great example of a way that you can automate your communication with students. 
Next, we're going to think about lesson planning. How can you automate this? There's a couple of different things. First, I always love to use templates. Having something that is just right there that I can copy and paste does start to automate that process. Also, really thinking about what do you do when you are lesson planning? Are you looking for the taking the standards first and then you're figuring out what is happening or what kind of activities you want to put together or your rubrics? There are a lot of different components that come with lesson planning and some of them just by doing things either all at the same time or having those templates or using artificial intelligence to do some of that heavy lifting for you, the brainstorming, that's usually the hardest part is coming up with the ideas. And once you start seeing those ideas, then it makes it easy to copy and paste, plug and play, to modify. Maybe you've got an example of a learning activity that you could do with AI and then you just need to tweak it a little bit so that it fits your class, your personality, and the standards. The next one we are going to be talking about is grading and feedback. Now, if you are using an LMS, then there is typically some sort of way of grading or having an auto grade. That can also happen with Google Forms. You can give a Google form as a quiz so that it auto assesses. One thing I do want to caution you about is that make sure that when you're having things auto grade, auto populate, auto mark, that you are still looking at that data after the grades have come in so that you can know where your students are and where opportunities for reteach or additional support is needed. The other thing with with grading and feedback is that you can have one, two, maybe three rubrics that are very similar, if not the same, that you use for every single assignment. Or you have three different types of assignments, and so you will use rubric A on this type, rubric B on this type, and rubric C on this type. Making it really easy for you and your students to know what those proficiency levels are and to make it very simple when it comes to giving those grades and that feedback to students. We're going to go into the next one, which is number six. I haven't been keeping track of the numbers, but this is number six. We're going to be looking at the data analysis and student progress tracking. This is another thing that sometimes could already be automated within your SIS system, or maybe you need to create something that will allow you to track student progress. This is a great one that you can also give to your secondary students. They can track their progress. That's the beauty of this automation part is you create something that will allow students to track themselves. It could be a Google spreadsheet. It could be a page in their notebook or something that they have with them where they fill in graphs so they know where they are, but that it is available for you to glance at whenever you need to. The automation piece on this could be that your students are monitoring their own progress, or it could be that you are using a tool to do that for you. All right, my last two are coming up. Number seven is probably my favorite thing to automate, and that is transitions. 
when I'm saying transitions, I'm thinking about your cleanup bell. It could be even your beginning of your class. And this is how I have had a ton of success in my classroom is by creating an alarm that will go off and play music. There are various different ways of doing that. I had used Windows Task Manager to do it and my husband still uses it to this day. And you can actually set up so that you have certain schedules. We had Monday, it was a different schedule than the rest of the week. But you could go in at the beginning of the year and you could say you want this cleanup song to be playing at this time every single day. You may or may not have a cleanup bell, but then think about other transitions that you might want to have music for. You could have quiet music start playing at three minutes for 30 seconds when you are wanting to wrap up your bell ringer or your get started work. Just different things that can prompt you and prompt your students of we are moving from one to another. And then also gently reminding them to not do certain things until that bell or music has started playing, like cleaning up. I know my students always would look at the clock and they were just antsy and be packing up. When I started implementing this and started playing music and having a specific thing, I could gently remind them, hey, the music isn't playing yet. Can you please wait? And usually then they were trained to wait for the music. Then that leads into our final thing, and that is cleanup routines. Having an automated cleanup routine for you and for your students. What do you want them to be doing on the daily? What do you wanna be doing on the daily? How does that look? What happens if a student is absent? Can you make it very easy so that these four students who are sitting next to each other, they need to do this particular job or they each have a role? Coming up with class jobs, that also is a great way to automate your classroom and make it so that your students are doing most of the work and not you. Once again, all of these automations that I have listed today are going to take some work up front on your end, but once you get those rolling, you can save a ton of time. And I also want to remind you that if something is not working, do not be afraid of changing it up. No matter if you had put it in your syllabus or disclosure document, you have the right and you are the expert to change things midstream. If it's not working, make sure that you change it up. If you felt like this episode was beneficial to you, it could be for others. Make sure that you share it with another teacher bestie. Also give a follow to this episode and this podcast so that you don't miss another episode in the future. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at Kristen Masick, K-H-R-I-S-T-E-N-M-A-S-S-I-C. Until next week.